Welcome to Disaffected. I am Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. And the first thing we're going to talk about this week is an ad campaign at the New York Times. So we have discussed on the show before what I call Revenge of the Uglies. Mm-hmm. It's not very nice, I know. This is what has been going on, particularly with people who call themselves trans or queer, but you see it in the healthy at every size body positivity movement, which is just um, excuse making for being morbidly obese. We have come to a cultural point where we have been convinced through not just persuasion, but by by punishment for, for failing to comply. We have become convinced that we are morally and socially obligated to fluff other people's egos, basically to metaphorically suck their dicks. That's what we do. Oh, you're so beautiful. You're so brilliant. You're so fascinating. You're so unique. I support you. And where are we? We're at a place where we feel socially obligated to call people beautiful who are not beautiful, to call people interesting who are not interesting but tedious, annoying, and stereotypical. Eh, I guess in for a penny, in for a pound. We can call it Revenge of the Uglies or we can call it Revenge of the Losers. Do you like that better or worse? I was a loser in school too, so, you know, know, don't get too head up about what I say here. As, as so often, <laughs> a lot of the things that I criticize and a lot of the people I criticize, I've been those people. It's, it's not like I think I was born perfect. I became perfect over time. It took a lot of work. <laughs> so we've, I could barely believe this when I saw it this week. I'm only going to show you one of three advertising panels. These are ads from the New York Times that um, apparently are appearing on displays in bus stops around Manhattan, maybe some other places, I'm not sure. Take a look on your screen at this ad. And, uh, and for those of you who are just listening, this is a vertical ad that shows a photograph of an overweight woman of indeterminate race. She's not European white. She may be black. She may be mixed. She may be from some other place. But the important part is that she isn't white and that she's fat. She has problem glasses on. And it's a profile shot. And I I, I don't know how it reads on the screen to you, but to me, the, I mean, it's just not a flattering photograph. And it, it the, she seems like she isn't there. It's vacant. It's like she's staring into nothingness. Here's the text on top of the photograph. It's at the top, the New York Times. Leanna is imagining Harry Potter without its creator. Yeah, I know a lot of you are saying, what does that mean? Let me explain it to you. This is I, the level of explanation I'm going to have to get into to make this nonsense seem sensible. Harry Potter, the children's series about witches and wizards and warlocks. We all know Harry Potter. Harry Potter's author is, uh, she goes by J.K. Rowling, Joanne Rowling. Joanne Rowling um, is one of the few well-known celebrities who has stood up for women's rights in the face of the trans takeover that is putting men in women's locker rooms, men on women's sports teams, men in women's domestic violence and rape shelters. Rowling is, she's never vulgar. She's never mean-spirited. She's she's kind. She's far kinder than I am. I mean, I realize you don't have to go far, but she's honestly nicer than she needs to be. And she's spoken out on social media and in print interviews talking about the fact that women are real. Sex dimorphism is, in fact, real. It's real and it's operative. It's not phobic or horrible. And it doesn't indicate hate or a desire to do violence to people when you say women have a sex and men have a sex 
and they have different needs based on those sexes. Joanne Rowling has become the world's favorite TERF, trans-exclusionary radical feminist. I don't even think she is a radical feminist. Uh, that everybody shits on. You're ruining my childhood. I can't believe the creator of Harry Potter is a transphobe. And like, I don't understand because like, if you can imagine a world that has magic in it and elves and stuff, but you can't imagine a world where gender could be fluid is just really disappointing. No, there isn't any of this commentary that's on a higher level than what I just did for you. It's all that stupid. You're eating my childhood. Now I can't think about my Harry Potter house without feeling unsafe. Now, it's bad enough when young teenagers act this way. And in my day, when young teenagers acted this way, they got gently made fun of, both by their peers and by grown-ups. Aren't you a little old to be crying over this? That would be bad enough. Understandable, though. This is adults we're talking about. These are fully grown adults. The majority of them are women, but I would say at least 25% of, the, of these snotty, whiny, queer, trans, NB uh, complainers, at, at least 25% of them appear to be men. They are 20, 25, 30, 35 years old. Leanna here in this New York Times print ad looks to, I mean, she could be anywhere from 26 to 35. It's hard to say from the photograph. But she's a fully grown woman. A fully grown woman who is still immersed in the wizarding world of a children's book series. And what does the New York Times want you to take away? All the creative work she's doing. She's doing work. She's imagining. It's an active agency. She's imagining, and she's imagining Harry Potter without its creator. Because she can do that, you know? Her mind is expansive, unlike Joanne Rowling's. Leanna, what the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, if Leanna, if you're real and you're not, and this isn't just a stock uh, photo model, um, it might be. But I think, not sure, but I think they're featuring actual subscribers. <laughs> and of course, she looks exactly like a New York Times subscriber <laughs> on someone else's dollar. Um, why is the New York Times advertising staff consciously and affirmatively participating in a ridiculous, embarrassing, and extraordinarily rude and unnecessary campaign to dethrone the woman who wrote these books that have made millions of children happy, watching them in movies, reading them in books? Why are they doing this to her? Why do you think this is normal, New York Times? Because you, whoever put this together, and I know your name is Caitlin, you are also a fully grown up woman, aren't you? And you think this is what adults do. They imagine and create worlds without the problematic creators of those worlds. Get a fucking life. Get a life. I, it is so, it's, 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 it's offensive. It's offensive. It used to be within recent living memory that it was an accomplishment, sometimes even a joyful thing to blossom into adulthood, to get your driver's license at 16 years old, to move out of your parents' house at 18, to go to college at 18, 19, 20, to get your first apartment, to pay your own bills. I had a rough upbringing and a lot of these things happened years earlier for me than they did for other people, but... As bad as it was, boy, did I feel a sense of accomplishment. Boy, did I feel a sense of pride in taking care of myself. It's all gone now. You have people in their 30s who think that the important thing they do is imagine a world of children's characters without that terrible bigot lady. And the New York Times sells ads, sells subscriptions based on this. 
Okay, enough, 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 enough. <laughs> All right, now. We have talked about what's going on in Canada with the truckers' convoy. We're going to talk more about that later in the show. And I told you about... Now, see, now that I'm doing audio episodes too, I can't remember if I've told it to you on this TV show or if it's on one of the podcast episodes, which is why you need to subscribe on your podcast app. <laughs> I can't remember. And there's just so much content. We've talked about the fact that... Um, GoFundMe, the uh, charitable donation distributor company, uh, tried to seize $10 million worth of donations uh, away from people who meant to give it to the truckers and redirect it to what they called legitimate charities. So people went to a Christian uh, service called Give, Send, Go, and somebody hacked it. And when you went to the website, um, you got naturally, because these people are all emotional fucking babies, a picture of Elsa from Frozen in slow motion being a heroine and some scrolling text about how, you know, we're not going to let this Christian company be fascist and we're going to take them offline and blah, 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 blah. So I'm going to introduce you to a guy who claims, he's been claiming on social media, he is the hacker behind this. I do not know if it's true. I don't know how to evaluate whether it's true. There may be some of you out there who see this and know something about this industry, and it'll seem very clear and obvious to you. To me, it is not clear and obvious. So I don't know if he really is, um, but he he is a really good illustration of a never-ending buffet of cluster B behaviors. He's got so many of them, I can't diagnose him. <laughs> Take a listen. Nothing scares me. Nothing. Yes, I doxed the truckers. I did it. It was me. I hacked Gibson Go, baby. And I do it again. I do it a hundred times. I did it. I did it. Come at me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to me? Crazy son of a bitch. What is this shoulder action he's got going on? I hacked Parler! I hacked Gab! I hacked Drew it's like Divine. Social! I hacked Go! Gibson, go! I don't care! I blew Richard Speck! I'm, you can literally put my name into the news tab on Google. And you can find everything I've done! <laughs> I am literally in every mainstream media publication for the things that I do. I'm not an unknown <laughs> actor. I'm literally a famous fucking cyber terrorist. And you think that you could scare me? <sighs> oh my God, he's so weird. See, they always default to the pedophile accusations. They always default to that because they have nothing else. It's actually some projection. That guy, I want to see his browser history. That guy loves little projection. I have hunted pedophiles. I have outed pedophile rings online. I have gotten pedophiles arrested, buddy. You have no idea who the hell I am. He's undulating his that shoulders at the camera. It's so creepy. You fucking lying little cunt. Die! I'm going to restart this live. Come back. Honeypots, how do they work? Oh my goodness. Okay, so. I've got to stop saying so as much as I do. I know it's irritating. I find it irritating when other people do it, but I've noticed that I say it a lot. I'm going to try. Sorry, guys. This guy, uh, unless this was completely consciously a performance, meaning he's not like this at all. This is a joke. It's a parody. I don't think that's that's the case. But if that is the case, then what I'm about to say would not be true. But I don't think it's the case. I, it is a performance, yes. Yes, I, it's consciously put on. Um, I don't 
think he's trying to mock it and make it ridiculous, though. I think this is what he wants people to see him as. There's so much cluster B there, I don't even know where to start. And there may be other things going on there in other clusters with which I am less familiar. But a few things I wanted to point out to you. If you could not see him because you're listening on audio, why aren't you watching my TV show? (laughs) No, actually, I love you for listening. But if you have never watched this show on video, we do one video show a week. It really is a television show. You're missing a lot of good visuals. So if you can't see him, he's undulating his shoulders at the camera and he's looking with this wide open stare. He looks like a snake, like a cartoon snake out of the Jungle Book or Ricky Tikki Tavi, a cobra that's trying to hypnotize the prey. It's so psychopathic. But it's also extraordinarily histrionic. I mean, everything is over the top. Obviously, you can hear that from the screaming. But these are behaviors that would be consistent with Um, somebody with borderline personality disorder who's decompensating and having a meltdown, somebody with histrionic personality disorder uh, doing the same thing, Uh, psychopathy. Notice the quick and glib instant change of affect where he can go from screaming with his eyes wide open and moving his head around like, you know, like he was in front of a snake charmer to simply sitting there and talking like this as if he weren't like that a moment ago. That rapid change of affect and the glibness is consistent with with psychopathic tendencies. Um, If this guy really is the hacker behind this, I hope somebody's taking it seriously. Of course, I realize he may not be, but anyway, food for thought. And before we end the segment... We've got more narcissism and more affectation, this time in a more serious vein. So New York City Mayor Eric Adams. This is the guy who said in the run-up to the election, or, or was it just after he got elected, and I'm paraphrasing here, if you think my administration is going to lift mask mandates and social distancing protocols, you've got another thing coming. He, I mean, it's a paraphrase, but I got the tone correctly. It was that I am your boss and I'm giving you orders, citizen tone. Um, last week, we talked about him telling the world repeatedly during a press conference that he eats a plant-based centered life. You know, how people who aren't actually very smart or articulate talk when they think they want to sound smart and articulate. They don't even get the parts of speech right. Listen to Eric Adams this week. We need to really stop distorting the news. You know, I'm going to say this. And, you know, I'm not saying it out of hate. I'm saying it out of love. I'm a black man. That's the mayor. But my story has been interpreted by people that don't look like me. <laughs> we got to be honest about that. How many blacks are in the editorial boards? How many Here we blacks go with are determining the how these stories are being written? How many, how many Asians? How many East Indians? Yeah, right. How many South Asians? Everybody talks like about my government being diversified. What's the diversification in the newsrooms? So everybody go back with their predispositions. And my role as mayor is being interpreted through the prisms of your realities and not mine. So when you write stories, you're not writing stories for people who was almost homeless like me. You're not writing stories for people who were arrested and beat by police officers. You're not writing stories from those who are dealing with high crime. Bullshit. You're They're writing, writing them all the time. Prisms. And I'm not saying this to attack. But my administration yes, is going to be about saying the obvious that other people are uncomfortable with saying. Discomfort is growth. So I say that to all your owners of your papers, your editorials, diversify all y'all owners your of your papers. So I can look out and see people that look like me and say, we're going to write stories based on the prisms that we have, based on the prism of this young man, based on the prism of being the first black woman that's the speaker or Jermani Williams, based on the prisms of his realities. It's not what we're getting. 
That's not what we're getting. And that's why I'm covered the way I'm covered. And I'm not comfortable with it. That's not all you're not. You know I'm making fun of him? Because he's affecting his accent. He's making it thicker. This is a theatrical choice. He's talking like the wisest old black man ever did live. That's deliberate. Because it disarms you. Because it tells you that you're speaking to an authentic, capital B, black man. He's also trying to suggest in his vocal intonation that he might be on the edge of tears. I don't know if you caught that or not. You're not writing stories about people beat up by the police. That's all the stories the New York Times or major media write. Yes, Eric, they are writing those stories, and you know they are. I'm being interpreted through other people's prisms. Guess what, sweetheart? Other people exist. There are more than, how many, what do we have, 9 billion people on the planet now? Each and every one of them has their own brain. They're all individual separate units of consciousness. They all have their prisms, since that's your favorite word this week. The world isn't you, Eric Adams. The world isn't set up for you. You are not the arbiter of what people think. People are not wrong to interpret what they read and hear through the lens of their own experience, just like you do. This, my friends, this is theatrical, theatricality motivated by narcissism. And when we live in an era and a time when narcissistic behavior, particularly by minorities, has a free pass and is in fact affirmatively encouraged, we are selecting for black narcissists and borderlines, trans narcissists and borderlines, I mean, not that there are many who aren't, gay narcissists and borderlines, a metric fuck ton of women narcissists and borderlines, because these are all classes of people who are only capital A authentic and never misleading you. Time for a break, but before we go, um, as a reminder, we have a new Twitter account because we were bad on the other one. So if you want show announcements, it's content only, but our audio stuff goes up, short clips go up on there, stuff you may not see on the show. Follow us on Twitter at Disaffected P. That's Disaffected and the letter P. If you want a little more conversation, sass, and fun, follow us over on Getter, and our handle there is at Disaffected Pod. See you in a moment. You know how podcasters are always asking you to hit the subscribe button? Well, this is us asking you to take a minute right now and be sure you've hit subscribe on your favorite video platform. Click that notification bell too so you never miss our newest content. And don't forget to subscribe on audio too. We have audio only content that you won't find on any video platform, so don't miss out. Twitter didn't like our old account, so we made a new one. Follow at Disaffected P, that's Disaffected and the letter P, for show announcements and links. If you want our sass and snark, come see us on Getter at Disaffected Pod. Welcome back. Let's turn our attention, U.S. listeners, to our neighbors to the north in Canada. I was going to say I, I, I'm surprised that Canada of all countries would turn as authoritarian as it has as quickly. But looking back after some time goes by, I might look back and say I shouldn't have been surprised. Um, I, I suspect that like for the United States and other places in the West, lots of things have been going on in the Canadian culture and in the government that have been prepping us both as a population and as political maneuverers to get to the place that they've gotten to. So this week, as you know, there was a convoy of uh, at least 50,000 trucks that uh, all joined up from across the country and drove to Ottawa to protest the vaccine mandates um, and the restrictions on civil liberties that have been placed on Canadians, allegedly because of the pandemic and on account of COVID. Are you, I, you know what? Leave me a comment. If there's anyone watching this episode or listening to this episode 
Well, you, if you're just listening, you can't leave a comment because podcast things don't do that. But if you're on YouTube, you can. If you are one of those people who maybe a year ago or maybe two years ago did not believe or did believe that this was a horrible, deadly virus, that we were actually in something that that legitimately earned the name pandemic with all the emergency worldwide first in history connotations that comes with that. If you believed that and you now see that this is largely theatrical and that it has been from the beginning, that this virus was never the Black Death, if you see it now but you believed it before, I'd be interested in your point of view. If you leave a comment, please. I'd love to to know. So Justin Trudeau has decided, the uh, Canadian leader has decided to invoke emergency powers under an act that has never been invoked in Canada before. And it gives his government the right to seize bank accounts, mortgages, and other financial transactions to freeze them for people that the government decides are supporting this protest. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Let me read to you from an opinion column in the Toronto Sun this week. The author's name is Brian Lilly. Quote, The latest polling data from Meru Public Opinion shows that 66% support the Trudeau government using the act for the first time since it came into effect 34 years ago. That might be because they don't really know how the government is invoking the legislation or what it means. Now, what does it mean? Again, from Brian Lilly. These regulations outlaw some types of protest the ability for individuals to travel to or participate in these protests, and a punishment of up to five years in prison for anyone who contravenes these measures. When the government says these measures don't suspend our civil liberties or basic rights and freedoms, they aren't telling the truth. Oh, stop. Really? They're not telling the truth? (laughs) I love these people. I love these governments. Here's a laundry list of civil liberties we're taking away, but it is extremely important that we circle back to the main point, which is that we are not taking your civil liberties away. <laughs> that, that, that is, that's gaslighting. That's literally gaslighting. People mix up the term gaslighting. I've, I, I, I was able to narrow down what it was that, that people have done to that term. One of the problems with it, it's been diluted. People are using the term gaslighting to refer to plain old regular lying, just being untruthful. That's not gaslighting. Gaslighting includes lying, but lying is not sufficient to make a technique gaslighting. Gaslighting is using lying and other techniques to make people question their own sanity and their own accurate perception of the world around them. It takes things... And it speaks and it does double speak like governments do. Here's a list of the things we're taking away from you, but it's important that you remember we're not taking away your civil liberties. That's literally double speak right there. And it makes people crazy because when we are gaslit this way, I don't know if I can say most of us, I and I know many other people, my first reaction to this still after everything I've been through and everything I know, my first reaction is to question my own sanity. It does destabilize me. Yep, makes me nervous. Makes me wonder, did I just make that up? Did I dream that I heard that? Was I hallucinating? That's why they do it. And even if you get to the point where you say, no, I wasn't hallucinating. No, I didn't dream that. Most of us are so shocked that somebody would do this, that a government official would do this. I mean, it's so confronting that we don't want it to be true and we kind of just go along like we didn't see it. This is how they win. This is, um, I'll give you one more quote from Brian Lilly's article. The most egregious part of the regulations, though, are the banking measures. In a section of the regulations titled Duty to Cease dealings, all banks, trust companies, credit unions, co-ops, fraternal societies, insurance companies, and more 
are ordered to stop providing any financial services to any person designated by the Act. This, in essence, means that bank accounts, mortgages, credit cards, loans, and even funds transfers must be frozen. Yeah, that's what it's not in essence. That is literally what it means. The Canadian government now has given itself the power to not. They can tell your bank. Bank, we don't like that you are giving Joshua Slocum a checking account. By law, we are ordering you to close Joshua Slocum's checking account. We are ordering you to keep Joshua Slocum from withdrawing his money. This is what they're doing. To any person designated by the act, anyone providing material support, to what? To protests. Oh. And I'm sure they'd say protest isn't illegal, but you have to have a permit and you can't disrupt and you can't. Basically, anything that you do to object to their overweening power, they are, this is all a game. They know what they're doing. They know they're totalitarians. They're, they're not lying to themselves. They're not misguided. They know what they're doing. What I don't know is whether they know, whether they care that you know. I don't think they do care because they don't need to care, do they? Because you do it anyway. They're still in power, aren't they? They don't need to care. They can lie to you right to your face and they can do it in a way that preserves the barest slip of plausible deniability and just keep doing it because we let them. We let them. And in a typically Canadian fashion, Brian Lilly is way too gentle. His tone is way too inappropriately calm. He ends with this. Those supporting this move should ask if they would be comfortable with their political opponents wielding such powers. <laughs> should they ask that, Brian? Should they contemplate it like that? <laughs> you really think they're going to, Brian? Maybe they should think about that and come back and make a better decision. Sorry. You Canadians are going to have to buck the fuck up. Be like your truckers. More of you. Today. Please. <laughs> I might even give you some money if I can figure out a way to get it to you. <sighs> and it's not just abstract. They've got police on horseback now in the middle of Ottawa, the capital. Take a look. Come on through. What is happening here? Wow. What is this lady doing? Trampling. Trampling horses. Trampling. Stop it. Stop it. They're pushing through the crowd on horseback. They've just trampled two people. One woman is on the ground. People are trying to help. They don't care. The horses trampled two people. They just fully trampled that lady. They, they just keep going like it didn't even happen. Then we've got a line of police on foot with batons who are trying to push the crowd back. Yeah, the lady got fully trampled by the horse. Unbelievable. What the fuck is wrong with you guys? Am I hyperbolic to call this a police state? Am I exaggerating? Is it only a little trampling? Not too bad? Am I being cynical for suggesting that this is so alarming that people ought to be out in the streets pushing back on those goddamn police? Yeah, using force against them. Mm -hmm. Am I out of line? Oh, it's not a big deal. People just need to act nicer. Okay. See how that works out for you. Look at what police are willing to do. It reminds me of the commentator Michael Malice. I noticed him. He's been saying this for a long time. And up until recently, I thought he was a little too hardcore. Now, I'm not so sure. 
To paraphrase him, he says, there is no law so obscene that police will not enforce it up to and including executing innocent children because those were the orders they were given. Now, I'm not an all cops are bastards kind of person. I used to be. I was stupid and in a cult. But I'm also not naive. And as policing culture has become more blatantly authoritarian, you are going to attract authoritarian people. And as policing has become more corrupt and as they've become more slavish to enforcing in the United States unconstitutional orders against the citizens, the good men and women, the decent moral men and women uh, who wear the uniform are leaving in droves. And so you are left with the bad apples. Let's take it down to the personal level. So much authoritarianism in Cluster B today. So I'm going to show you a very short clip that I saw online. I'm I'm trying to figure out how to introduce this or how not to introduce this to you. You know what? I'm going to tell you that I'm just going to play it for you first, and then we're going to talk about it. So it's about 10 seconds long. Uh, For those of you listening and not watching, uh, it takes place in a kitchen. There's a woman standing at a sink while um, somebody who looks like her husband is standing in the background. Go ahead. Okay, very short clip. Now, I'll tell you first that when I first saw this, I had an anxiety reaction. My gut clenched up. My butt clenched up. (laughs) You know how it is. Um, I had an anxiety reaction because it is so familiar. That's my mother. That was my childhood. That is still my mother. This is the this is the way the woman was acting five and a half years ago uh, when I tried to rescue her husband because I was afraid that she was going to seriously hurt him or potentially kill him. Of course, he turned on me and said I was the abusive one. So, you know, have fun. Now, I have since learned that this is actually, um, it is actually staged. Apparently, and I don't care the name of this movie, you don't need to tell me. It's fine. I, I don't care, and I'm never going to remember. Apparently, it's from a movie. The audio is from a movie in 2005. It's a scene in a movie, and these people are just reenacting it at home, as apparently a lot of people have done on TikTok. I did not know this. I do know it now. But here's what I'll say. Fake or not, that is a borderline personality disorder meltdown. That is absolutely pitch perfect. So kudos to the actors and actresses in this movie because you nailed it. Just like uh, Allison Janney nailed the narcissistic borderline mother of Tanya Harding in the movie I, I, Tanya. Some of the scenes in that movie are so reminiscent of my mother that I, I do actually get upset watching it, even though it's a very good movie. This is a borderline personality disorder meltdown. So even though it's staged, this is a very typical way that emotionally unstable people will decompensate. Their defenses aren't working anymore. They lose their shit. This was every day in my house. (laughs) You know, it was funny. I, I say that I toss these things off. You know, I mean, I, I, I've been telling the truth for a while now about where I came from and, and, you know, nothing's a surprise to me. It's just tossed off and was like, this happened every day. And the number of people who responded to that and said, are you serious? This wasn't just a once in a while thing. And I was surprised. I was like, you thought, oh, you think this can't happen every day. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not making fun of them. I mean, God bless them. They haven't, they haven't, uh, they haven't lived in that. But no, no, this was not an occasional thing. This wasn't an example of mommy losing her temper or having a really bad day once every three years. This was every day. This and more. And what I find interesting about this is, well, it, it, it illustrates a point that I've made before, and that is that one, one way of thinking of a condition like borderline personality disorder 
is is to see it as what it is, which is arrested emotional development. That looked like a toddler because the people who have borderline personality disorder and are emotionally dysregulated in this way literally are emotional toddlers. It's not that they're like them. They are them. They're not chronologically, but emotionally, that is when their development stopped. That's when the, the neglect or the abuse really started to turn a person, and they could not progress and mature past that. So you're looking at a toddler. Um, and and again, I know I know it's staged and they made acting choices, but they made some interesting ones because the woman, if you notice, when she goes to walk out of the room, she gets up in her husband's face and she starts pointing her finger and she's screaming at him. She's she's moving her body and she's taking actions that if they were done by a man, that would be an indication that a fist was about to get thrown. That's how you start a physical fight. She's telegraphing those signals. I want to punch you. Let's tussle. But of course, she walks off because she doesn't want the stronger man to hit her. Again, yeah, I know. I know it was staged, but I've seen this shit in real life. And it's a- this is accurate. It's an illustration. That dynamic, when it happens, is one of the ways which women like this take advantage of the social contract between men and women, knowing that men are not legally and culturally allowed, for good reasons, to hit women. They know they can get away with it. They push and push and henpeck and cluck and snipe and bitch and lie until a man wants to fucking scream. And some of these bitches do it deliberately because they want to be hit, because they want to call the police and get a domestic violence charge against their man. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. And I'll remind you again, that just because that is true does not mean I think it's okay to be violent to your partner. I don't think it's okay. But I also do understand provocation. And in a situation like that, no, it's not all the man's fault. No, it's not. My mother did this. The man she married was incredibly violent. He tried to kill her. He regularly beat her. He regularly beat me. And she provoked a lot of it, deliberately. I watched her do it. She'd humiliate him. She'd emasculate him. She'd pick. She wouldn't let him make a mistake and apologize. She had to make him keep justifying what he did over and over again. And then the questions like, why are you so stupid? Why did you make this mistake? Would keep going until he lost his shit. Already an unstable, violent man. But she did it repeatedly. And I want to show you one example of this is not the majority of people and the majority of women don't react this way, but there is a big enough minority that it is noticeable. And this one is typical. So take a look on your screen at a Twitter response from somebody who calls herself Polly Wally Doodles. And she says, the original post, it said, how would you feel about being married to this? So her response was to that. And she said, I was going to do the voice. I won't do the voice yet. You're talking about him, I guess. All she did was sprinkle him with water. I suspect he did something very unnice. Do you, bitch? Because I got your number. Some woman pops off and has a two-year-old tantrum splashes water all over the place, gets up in his face and screams. And she's like, <laughs> you're talking about him being awful, right? All she did was sprinkle him with water. That's all she did. She didn't even touch him. She's not touching him. I suspect you did something very unnice. Mm-hmm. Of course you did. Because you're probably a borderline and you probably do the same thing. It's always somebody else's fault. You can do anything you want, especially if you're a woman. And anything that gets provoked as a result of that just came out of the blue. Women don't ever do anything bad. It's always the men. Sounds like my mother, too. All right. It is time for us to take a break. But before we do, 
we would love to have your support. There are two ways to support us. Go to patreon.com slash disaffected or to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. And remember, when you give money to the show, thank you very much, you'll get access to our monthly donor-only private off-camera Zoom hangouts. See you on the other side of the break. You know how podcasters are always asking you to hit the subscribe button? Well, this is us asking you to take a minute right now and be sure you've hit subscribe on your favorite video platform. Click that notification bell too so you never miss our newest content. And don't forget to subscribe on audio too. We have audio only content that you won't find on any video platform, so don't miss out. Twitter didn't like our old account, so we made a new one. Follow at disaffected p that's disaffected and the letter p for show announcements and links if you want our sass and snark come see us on getter at disaffected pod welcome back i'm going to give you some local news from vermont uh but i want to remind you that we've got new audio content audio only content coming out during the week please subscribe within your podcast app, because you won't find this on YouTube, you won't find it on Rumble, you won't find it on any video platform. So you will not be alerted to our audio if you're simply subscribed to us on YouTube. Uh, We're everywhere you get podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, anywhere you get it. Thanks very much. So this is a story um, from the Rutland Herald, and Rutland is one of our cities in Vermont, (laughs) down near the southern border. It's disturbing. It's about um, an attempt to lure a child into a a sexually abusive situation. So I'm going to give you some information from the Rutland Herald. Headline of this story is, um, Woman Tries to Lure Child. Quote, A West Rutland woman is facing life in prison after the FBI said she had been in contact with someone she allegedly believed to be an 11-year-old girl and traveled to Warren County, New York, in an attempt to meet the girl. Scarlet Shadows, 31, also known as Dragon Girl 69, appeared in federal court in New York on Thursday to be arraigned on a charge that she attempted to entice a minor into sexual activity. The charge against Shadows is based on an affidavit written by FBI Special Agent Janelle Bringuel, who was assigned to the Mid-State Child Exploitation Task Force. The affidavit said her duties include investigating cases related to sex trafficking of minors. Bringuel said, In December, a law enforcement officer working undercover and posing as the guardian of an 11-year-old girl in foster care posted on a social networking site using language, quote, commonly associated with individuals seeking to find children for sexual purposes. Mm. The affidavit said Shadows said she was 31 but identified as a middle which she said meant she acts like a teenager. Hold that thought in your head. She said she didn't want to, quote, get arrested for sexual stuff with minors. On January 15th, Bringwell, this was the FBI agent, sent Shadows several photos of an undercover law enforcement officer that had been digitally altered to make her look like she was about 11 years old. That same day, Shadows and the officer had a conversation about Shadows having sexual contact with the child and, quote, having her date me. I want to go back to this part where they said Shadows identified as a middle, which she said meant she acts like a teenager. This is what is called age play. It's the new kink. It it isn't new, actually. How do I know it's not new? All right, gather around, children. Uncle Josh is going to tell you something. (laughs) I was talking about some of this stuff on social media last night. (laughs) And a couple people said, how do you know that? How do you know that? Oh, you know what it was? Here, I'm going to gross you out a little bit. But um... (laughs) so what we were talking about 
yeah, I will get back to the story. I'm not sorry for the tangent because it's funny. Um, so on social media, we were talking about that transgender swimmer at Penn State. That is a man who calls himself Leah Thomas, who's been cleaning up the women's records because he's a great big strapping man, isn't he? And people were looking at photographs of him standing around in a lady's swimsuit, wondering why they couldn't see his dick and balls. You know, where did they go? Oh, oh, no, no, no. No, dear listener. He didn't have them chopped off. Do you you know, right, that about 90% of self-identifying trans women have done nothing surgically and have no intention of doing so? They keep their dick and balls. Why would they want to do that if they want to be a woman? Because they don't want to be a woman, do they? They want you to think they want to be a woman because that lowers your emotional defenses. They're trying to get access to pussy they wouldn't have access to otherwise. They're trying to rape. They're trying to violate boundaries. That is why those men do this. This is a sexual fetish. So why couldn't we see Leah's female penis? And I let the audience know about something called the super tuck. And I know a couple of you homos out there who are watching this know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Tucking is what drag queens do. They they tuck the dick tightly down into the underwear if they're wearing a form-fitting outfit for obvious reasons because they're not trying to be a sh Well, they are a she-male, but they're not trying to be one. <laughs> um, but there's something called the super tuck. And th this is, gentlemen, um, cup your balls right now. You're going to need it. This is when they take the testes and they push them back inside the pubic cavity and stuff everything in there by scrunching the penis up so that you get a... Oh. I can't talk about it anymore. Even thinking about it gives me sympathetic phantom pain. So that's the super tuck. And that's what got me the question, how do you know that? Here's the answer. I'm old and I'm gay and I have seen everything. <laughs> All right, let's go back to this this woman in Rutland. Where did we leave off here? Wants <clears throat> uh, she Ah, yes, here we go. More. So later on January fifteenth, Shadows allegedly asked about speaking with the child. Bringwell said she arranged to have a second undercover officer exchange text messages with Shadows. In that conversation, Shadows said the girl's mother, who was really the undercover officer posing as a foster mother, quote, wants me to teach you sex stuff. Shadows added, quote, but up to you, lol. <laughs> lol. Um, Shadows kept sending texts to this alleged 11-year-old girl, uh, making sure to tell her to make sure to keep the relationship secret just between them. Here's one of them. <laughs> so to the public, I'm gonna be your nanny, but when we are home, we are girlfriends. It's just so we don't get in trouble. Then when you're not a minor, we can express our love in public, okay? Shadows wrote, according to the affidavit. On January 18th, there was a text exchange in which Shadows described sexual activity she and the girl would engage in, in which she said was, quote, more than kissing. This past week, Shadows drove from Vermont to New York to meet this alleged 11-year-old girl and was arrested because, of course, they're thankfully was no real 11-year-old girl, although there are many other 11-year-old girls who are being exploited this way right now, and boys too. So what did we learn from this story in uh, from the Rutland Herald? That women are just as sexually dangerous toward children as men are, that they're, we need to be, need to be on the lookout for female sexual offenders, pedophiles. Did we learn that? You know where I'm going, don't you? You know where we're going to end up, right? Let's take a look at shadows on your screen. Dragon Girl 69. Isn't she beautiful?
I can't at all see the male pattern baldness. I can't see the male brow ridge. And I'll tell you the other things that I can't see. I can't see the cluster bee stare, the duper's delight, the predator's smirk. No, it just looks like a lovely lady to me, doesn't it to you? And look at that one on the right. Look at that fucking flower. <laughs> he's sitting there. This Okay, for those of you on audio, this is a guy who, who looks like he's about 30 years old, overweight, uh, greasy, stringy, thinning, long hair, uh, freakish raccoon eyeliner, looking at the camera. You know, when you point your... You point your face down and you look up at the camera from underneath your eyebrows with that sort of devilish look. That's what he's doing. But in the next one, he's just sitting there with his stupid, badly made up face, uh, holding a, a pink rose or a carnation next to his um, next to his ear. It's sort of like, <laughs> you know what it is? It's cargo cult gender. It's cargo cult gender. They think that if they just make up a gender or if they just use gender signifiers out of context in a ham-handed way and just, you know, make up a gender out of uh, coconut shells, Gilligan's Island style, to just set it out on the beach, then that's going to make them a lady. <laughs> it's cargo cult gender. All right. So I want to ask the Rutland Herald, what are you doing? Why did you headline this article that there was a woman luring a child? Why did you keep referring to this man as a woman throughout your coverage? Oh, oh, and yeah, we're going to clip this little segment and we're going to make sure you see it because it's going to be on your social media, Rutland Herald. You are falsifying the most basic, relevant facts of this case. This is anti-journalism. This until the past five years, this would be a firing offense for anyone on your editorial team. What is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? Do, and I, here's, I'll tell you what I don't want to hear. I don't, don't tell me about the goddamn AP style book, okay? I don't want to hear about the AP style book. I don't want to hear about the Pointer Institute. I don't want to hear about the Columbia Journalism Review. I don't care. I'm asking you, the editors at the Rutland Herald, why you are doing this. What information are you trying to get across to people? Why are you cooperating with an alleged pervert who looks like he may be a child abuser? Why are you helping him disguise the fact that he's a male? That is pertinent, relevant information to your readers who may want to be on the lookout for this person. I know he's arrested right now, but he might get out on bail. He might not. I, I, I can't believe I'm having this conversation. What is wrong with you? This is not okay. AP doesn't make it okay. Pointer doesn't make it okay. CJR doesn't make it okay. You make your own decisions. And I, I don't want to hear about your, your uh, corporate parent either. Don't want to hear that. I want to know why you personally in Rutland, Vermont, are making these decisions and why you will not stand up and say, this is immoral, it's wrong, and we're not going to do it. Answers on a postcard, please. Do you know how I had to find this out? Thankfully, a feminist website called Redux.org, that's R-E-D-U-X-X.org. I, I, you know, if it weren't, it's kind of silly. I, I have been doing a lot of complaining lately about feminist politics and about how women are behaving. And I take none of that back. I mean, every word that I've said. But nobody is all bad or all good, and nobody is all wrong all the time. I have problems with some of this ideology, big problems, and some of it, yes, are deal breakers. But there are a lot of women out there who call themselves feminists who are doing a hell of a lot of good, and they are the only ones going for the truth on this. We should be thankful for them, and we should support them. Redux is an example. This is what they said on their site. Oh, well. <laughs> Rutland Herald, take a tip from these amateur feminist women. This is how you write this story. An adult male who self-identified as a lesbian teenager was arrested on charges of attempting to entice a minor into sexual activity after being caught in a law enforcement sting targeting child predators. 
That, Rutland Herald, is what you should have written. Thank you, Redux. So I want to round this out as we get to the end of the show. Um, with an extended quote from Camille Paglia, cultural commentator, feminist. I don't know what kind of feminist she'd describe herself as. She, I mean, she's so damn sensible. I, honestly, I'd love to have her on the show. Maybe we'll try to do that. Um, she's not the kind of feminist that I have a problem with. Very much the opposite. This week on the audio only show, I started a conversation about my hypothesis that there's a strong correlation between gay men and having a borderline or narcissistic mother and an absent or violent father. And in a nutshell, you can hear more about it on the audio. Um, and I did it on the Friday episode, and I'm going to pick the topic up again on the Monday episode. It may even go for three episodes. There's a lot to say. But in a nutshell, my hypothesis is, and it's a hypothesis, I can't prove it, but I suspect it's true. Um, no, I don't hypothesize that there's a correlation. There is a correlation. That correlation is objectively real and can be observed in the world. I'm not tentative about it because I'm not wrong. It's real. I see it. Other people see it too. Huge correlation between gay men with personality disordered mothers and troubled or non-existent relationships with their fathers. Fact. My hypothesis is there is a causative, not merely a correlative relationship there. Yes, I am saying that thing most people hope I'm not saying. I do suspect that homosexuality can be strongly influenced and provoked by certain kinds of family dynamics, particularly those around cluster B personality disorders and distorted relationships and, and gender sex imbalances in the home. I don't know that I'm right, but I do suspect that is the case. Yes, I think a large part of the reason why I'm gay probably is because of the child abuse that I suffered. Cancel me now. Operators are standing by. That doesn't mean that I think that homosexuality in and of itself is wrong. I don't feel morally dirty because I'm a homosexual. I don't want to tell anybody that they have to try to convert themselves. I don't even know if it's possible. If they want to, they, sh they sure should go ahead. But no, I'm not telling you that you're crazy if you're a homosexual. I don't have any internalized homophobia. But it isn't normal. And it begs for an explanation. The biological explanations are lacking, in my view. And I, I came across this Camille Paglia quote, and it was really... It was really validating. <laughs> Got to come up with another word. It was validating, but I hate that I said that. Let me just give it to you. <laughs> it's about four paragraphs. I'm going to take, take a good minute and a half to read it to you. Quote, Every single gay person I know has some sort of drama going on back in childhood. Something was happening that we're not allowed to ask about anymore. I can see patterns that are similar in my background to that of other women I know who are lesbians, but the biggest patterns are in gay men. Every single gay man I know had a particular pattern where, for whatever reason, he was closer to his mother than to his father, and there was some sort of distance between the mother and the father so that she looked to her son as her real equal or friend, as the real companion of her soul. Sometimes these women were discreet and dignified. Other times they were very theatrical, and in a sense they drafted their son into their own drama. But now, you are not allowed to ask any questions about the childhood of gay people anymore. It's called homophobic. The entire psychology establishment has shut itself down politically. And also, Freud was kicked out by early feminism in the late 60s and early 70s. So all the sophistication of analysis that I knew in my college years when I went to the State University of New York, there were a group of radical young Jewish students from the New York area. They were so psychologically sophisticated in being able to analyze the family background. It's all gone. That entire discourse is gone. She's right, it is. Freud wasn't just kicked out, he was dethroned, and now you can't believe anything he said. Everything is political now. 
Families are bankrupting themselves, sending their kids to the elite schools to learn a political style of analysis that says every single thing in the human person has been formed by some external force upon us. We are oppressed. It's being inscribed on us. It's really sick. It's a sick and stupid way of looking at human psychology. We are in a period now of psychological stupidity. Yes, we are. That's the show. I'll see you next week. You know how podcasters are always asking you to hit the subscribe button? Well, this is us asking you to take a minute right now and be sure you've hit subscribe on your favorite video platform. Click that notification bell too so you never miss our newest content. And don't forget to subscribe on audio too. We have audio only content that you won't find on any video platform, so don't miss out. Twitter didn't like our old account, so we made a new one. Follow at Disaffected P, that's Disaffected and the letter P, for show announcements and links. If you want our sass and snark, come see us on Getter at Disaffected Pod. For more conversation on the dark and disordered psychology that shapes today's cultural and political left, subscribe to our weekly audio podcast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and virtually anywhere else you get your podcasts. Let's learn to recognize these dynamics and call them what they are. Subscribe to Disaffected to learn how to break the spell.